Hey folks, welcome back to another interview edition of the Pop Culture Squadcast. I'm Bob Harrison, and in this session we spoke with comics artist and colorist Christopher Sotomayor. Chris has been a part of the comics industry for 25 years. He's done a lot of work with Marvel and DC, including long runs on Captain Marvel, Nightwing, The Hulk, and more. You can find him currently doing colors for Deadpool, Batman Beyond, and The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage. Chris teaches the online comic coloring classes with Comics Experience and has a new session coming up next month. You might want to check that out. While we interviewed Chris before, we reached out to him again to get his perspective on how the pandemic is affecting his work and the current state of the comics industry. There's some fun stuff in here about what gets Chris excited and a special surprise near the end for Gatchaman fans. We hope you enjoy the conversation. So, hey, Chris, thanks for doing this. Thank you, Bob. No problem. Well, let's kind of get started with, you know, what are you working on these days? I mean, you constantly are doing different books and you're on them. So what books are you working on like right now? I'm, wow, it's, I'm working on a whole range of different things and I'm, excited about most of them uh <laughs> i want to say all of them but you know if i'm being honest i'm excited about most of them that's fine yeah yeah i mean i like working on all of them but you know some of so them now i know we had talked i think i think maybe this is i think it's announced but so batman beyond is coming to an end yeah are you done are you finished with it um i'm working on the last few issues now okay. uh i think we're I think we're pretty we're pretty ahead of whatever's already on the stands. Okay. Which is nice because now I'm not rushing everything, and that's kind of a first. And uh, we're kind of in the same boat with Deadpool at Marvel too. Okay. Um, I think I think six came out. Uh, seven's been done for the longest, and eight is going now. Like I'm working on eight now. Okay. And you're uh, and you're staying on that book for a while, as far as yeah. you know. Yeah, as far as I know, I'm in it for the long haul, you know, until, I mean, listen, every, every book is a mini series <laughs> and every creative team usually comes and goes all together. Right. Uh, not always, but usually like I was very fortunate on Batman beyond that. I was brought on, I was brought in when Rick Leonardi was on, Rick Leonardi was on the book and Andy parts and I love them both. Um, Andy is especially great to work with. Um, he's he's a teammate, so I like that. Why uh, why why is Andy especially great to work with? Andy is he's communicative. He's very friendly. You know, it, it, it's a pro who who I admire. Number one, he always kept me up to date on where he was, so I knew where I needed to be. I was never surprised when pages came in because I knew. Uh, Andy always let me know, hey, this is what I have. This is what you're going to get. And this is when you're going to get it. And it always came in when he said it would. How often does that happen? It doesn't happen often. I will say I've been fortunate enough that it happens more often now than it has in the past. That's um, good. Yeah. I, I don't know why that is all of a sudden. I, I really like working with teammates, not just with other creatives on a book but with teammates. And that's what I like with Wailing Blade, right? And, uh, and now Happy Hill with Joe Mulvey. Uh, Wailing Blade, it was uh, Rich, Rich Duick and Joe Mulvey. And this new book, Happy Hill, I'm doing just with Joe. Okay. And, I hadn't heard know, about that one. Yeah. I, I don't think much has been announced. Like Joe, he teases it out on Twitter a little bit here and there. Sure. And shows a couple of things here and there. And <laughs> he, he keeps talking about, uh, 
you know, how, how much he likes working with me. And the feeling is mutual mm-hmm. because we're teammates. I listen early on in my career. I just took whatever I was offered and I know that's a danger. That's a pitfall in the business, right? Because editors, no matter what publisher it is, and not speaking to any publisher in particular or any editors in particular, editors are looking to just give you everything that they can, especially when they feel you're a good person to work with. And by that, I mean easy to work with, you're a team player, you hit your marks, uh, the quality is of a certain level. You know, if they feel that you have those attributes, they will load you up with anything and everything they can because they know what to expect. You're, you're a known quantity. There's no right. surprises. Sure. Right? So it's your job to know when to say enough is enough. Sure. Okay. So I see where you're, where you're going with that. Yeah. So, so early on, I didn't know when to say no. And I mean, I suffered. You? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I wound up in the hospital for almost a month in, uh, in February of 2002. And that was because of just exhaustion or? Yeah, I was, I had gotten an upper respiratory infection. I'm, I'm, I have asthma, right? I have a, sure. a severe uh, asthmatic condition. Um, just in general, I've had it since forever. I had gotten an upper respiratory infection uh, because my immune system was so uh, taxed at the time from doing all-nighters, one after the other after the other. I was at that point sleeping maybe 20 hours a week tops. Right. That was on a good week. Sure. And it all just, it caught up to me and my body just shut down. I couldn't stand up under my own power. My wife had to drive me to the hospital, carry me out of the car. I was in the hospital for three and a half weeks in, in February of 2002 and I spent a week of that in a coma. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, but listen, that was a teachable moment for me because okay. I learned to slow down. I learned to not put myself in that position anymore. I scared the hell out of my wife and kids. Sure. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, it's not surprising that you say this because, you know, part of my getting ready to talk to you, I kind of went, I went out to comic books database is still missing from my life, which is upsetting. <laughs> right. But, but comics.org has, you know, lists of things right. and like that 99, like the 2000 to 2002, like it, you did a lot of work. I, yeah, I did. I was doing a lot of work, a lot of work. <laughs> I was doing too much work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Working weekends, working every day. So, I want to come back to where you were just talking about teamwork. So, and I kind of had this kind of one, this one was kind of prepared. So, so I think it's rare. I mean, maybe it's becoming more common in in your experience, but I think it's rare, especially today to find a team of artists from pencils to inks to colors, especially three separate people these days that gels and fits together as well as you, Dennis and Bill. Oh my God! I love so I mean, I'm, and I'm and I'm I'm saying the three of you together. You and the question, you know, was fantastic. But like, what's it like to be part of a group like that? Like, is there do the three of you communicate with each other, or you just get inks? Like, how does that work? First off, when you have a book like the question, where it's Jeff Lemire, Dennis Cowan, Bill Sienkiewicz, and then me, <laughs> like I'm the idiot out of the group. So I'm just 
I'm Emily happy Schubert. to just be there. <laughs> I'm trying not to screw up each page. And there's so much, so much anxiety going in because uh, I'm the last in the line as far as the art is concerned. Mm -hmm. And if I screw it up, like, there's no question about it. You know, it's not, oh, Dennis dropped the ball or Bill screwed this up. It, no, it's Soto. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm the one that's going to get the blame. So going in, was, it was so stressful. But Dennis was, was really good. Uh, we had a conversation very early on uh, before we even started working on the book. And, I mean, I love Dennis to death. And Bill, I think, uh, you know, we'd spoken a little bit here and there, but not much about the book or even working together. Uh, we had even worked on the, the New Mutants book together. Right like right in the middle of issue one of the question. And that was a lot of fun. And I got to understand what Bill's looking for as far as sensibilities. And not like I was a stranger to Bill's work because like I, I own almost everything he's done. Right. But, um, you know, and I actually have a copy of his Jimi Hendrix books that book that I, I keep on my desk <laughs> for, for the whole time I was working on the question, but just knowing so closely what, they look for what they like, what I think, or how I think their work looks best when they're together and trying to figure out what I could do and what I could bring to the table. Um, that was for a large part left up to me, but I was totally open to anything that Dennis or Bill or Jeff or, or the editor, Chris Conroy, anything anyone said, I knew that even though I've been doing this for like almost 25 years, as far as I'm concerned, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the idiot out of that group, <laughs> you know, so I, I have to make sure that I not only pull my weight, but I don't drag anyone else down. And, you know, if, if Bill or Dennis give me a note, <laughs> guess what? I'm going to listen. Right. Sure. I, yeah. I get that. So since we brought this up already, Ann, this is a weird, weird job that I want to talk to you about. So I saw that you did a lot of the work for the Marvel Handbook. Right. So how did that job come about? And I, I, re, I say this because this is, this is the conversational part of it. So okay. um, I interviewed Joe Rubenstein and he's very proud of his, the fact that he did, I think there's two, um, ca two characters that he didn't ink in the Marvel handbook. Like that's his, like if you say 99%, he gets upset and says it's like 99.999%. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have the same type of, passionate about or how did that job how did you get that job and was that part of the taking too much stuff yes okay. that was definitely part of the taking too much stuff because if i could go back and revisit that i would do it so differently as far as i'm concerned that's one of the jobs i really screwed up uh, why do you those, say you screwed it up well those images came in so fast and in these batches that i you know i had no I, when I started doing them, it was, hey, do can you do these two? And we need them tomorrow. So, um, or by the end was of the day. Was it digital? Yeah, all digital. Okay. Right. And I think, I think it was by the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I banged them out because uh, they needed them so quickly. And I'm, I was probably in the middle of whatever else, like Captain Marvel or Cable or both or whatever. And, uh, you know, I I did it and... I got it done. And it was one of those jobs where you just, you just got to get it done. 
and then more came in and more came in. And I was never warned that, hey, you know, we're going to have like six more. Can you clear your schedule or anything like that? It was just, hey, these just came in. Do you want to do them? And I'm like, yeah, all right. So, so go ahead. No, no, you go. Go ahead. Yep. So I just, I banged them out. And that's really what I did. I banged them out. It was like coloring shorthand, you know, just a couple of quick techniques here and there to make it look like there was even more work involved than what I actually did. And, you know, I, I have all those handbooks. I have the, the I have actually right behind my, my, my chair. Um, I have the, the official handbook, the book of the dead, the, uh, the appendix, you know, even the, uh, some, some of the, uh, which called the loose loose leaf uh, pack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, I, I didn't remember. Movies. I don't remember Marvel doing that. I remember DC doing that. Yeah, Marvel Marvel had those uh, loose leaf style binder packs. Those were those were okay. Uh, a lot of uh, Keith Pollard turns, which sure. you know I love Keith Pollard. But those those other handbook entries, you know, I I bought them when I started buying them. It was. I think I picked up the first issue when it was like a slow month for whatever was on the racks at the time. So I bought it and I looked at it and I thought, Oh shit, these are cool. Can I, I'm sorry. Excuse me. That's okay. We're, 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 we're an adult show. Okay. All right. Good. Cause that's going to happen a few times. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, but then I started after that first one and, and seeing, you know, the cool factor, I started just buying them all as they came out. Oh, um, yeah. Even if I had to hunt them down. Uh, and I mean, they're right behind me. I use them for reference all the time sure. because e even if costumes don't change, I mean, even if costumes change, hair color doesn't change, eye color doesn't change, unless you're Scarlet Witch. Um, you know, like the height doesn't change. All the stuff that I need doesn't change. Right. So I know who casts a longer shadow in, the, in at sunset. I, I know what color... Tony Stark's eyes are, you know, I know what color Wolverine's eyes are. That's crazy. I had never thought of how useful that would be for a colorist. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have it. Listen, I did Captain Marvel for, you know, however many years. And, uh, there was an arc where all the Cree military shows up and they're in their white suits with, you know, oh, like, yeah. like red trim or whatever. Yeah. And, they're all different color of the red trims. You got to know which ones for which, uh, right. for, for, for which, which rank. Rank, exactly. Yeah. So, and you have to go by the chest emblems because right. otherwise they all look the same. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I use that to keep it straight to the point where I sent it in and the assistant editor said, Hey, you may have to recolor all these things. Cause I'll have to double check. So I said, No, they're all right. And she's like, <laughs> Yeah, I still got to double check. So I said, okay. So I took a picture of the page of the entry and <laughs> sent it to her. And she said, nope, you're good. <laughs> and it was all done. You know, like that would have been a whole day's worth oh, of sure. research for them back and forth. Yeah. And I was able to just squash it in, you know. No, I love, I love them too. I, you know, I think, I think the first, the only one that I had growing up of the original Marvel handbook was the book, one of the books of the dead which was fantastic because like, you know, half of those people are or more than half of those people have I think, come back since then. But at that point they were dead. Like yeah. that was like Gene hadn't come back at that point. Right. And you know, Swordsman. people, people, yeah. people were dead. Yeah. Um, and they stayed there until, you know, afterwards, but 
but that was cool. And then, and all of the who's who were fantastic. And yeah. they're, they are um, finally reprinting it or collecting it. Ah. I think next year's coming, a collection of the who's who is coming out, including the updates and stuff like that. And I will buy it. And I will too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's, oh, this is what I wanted to talk about. So today, uh, Vanity Fair announced that the Ta-Nehisi Coates is going to be guest editing the September issue. Yes. And you have mentioned that you're doing some work with Sean Martinborough in that. What's, what can you tell us about that? There are, well, I got a call from Sean. Uh, I've known Sean for, oh, shit, um, since 91, 92, mm -hmm. uh, before he even broke into comics, really. Right, um, back in back in Michael's studio, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I've known Sean for a while, let's say. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, he gives me a call. Actually, I missed the call. I got, got a voicemail, and then he texted me um, saying, hey, check your voicemail. So I checked the voicemail, and I, I heard what he had to say. And he's doing, uh, you know, this Vanity Fair stuff. And he said, uh, as soon as I heard him say, you know, Tanahasi Coates was, was uh, putting this issue together, I, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm on board. You know, yep, I, yep. I didn't even listen to the full voicemail. I was just like, yep. I'm on board. So uh, I didn't hear anything about deadlines or anything or what it was going to be. Was just like, yep, that's for me. Yep. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> listen, a lot of times I'll, I'll be very weary of taking magazine stuff. Okay. Or, uh, or e even some stuff outside of comics. I'll look at it with a, a very, you know, with a different eye, let's say, because these guys, they, they don't always understand uh, comics, right? Uh, they don't come from the same background. They don't, it, they just, they have their world and we have our world. And when they meet, a lot of things go awry, let's say. Sure. So I'm always a little weary of that stuff. But in a case like this, you know, it was Sean doing a couple of spot illustrations um, and he wanted to bring me in and he could have just as easily done this himself. It probably would have taken him longer than it would have me, but he could have done this himself, but he wanted to bring me in because he knows how important civil rights are to me. He knows how important the Black Lives Matter movement is to me. Sure. I've done protests. I've called politicians, local politicians. I've, I've done some online stuff. I joined Erase, which is a organization that helps to fight racism in New York. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm there, I'm doing I understand. some of the work, you know, I'm by all means, I'm not doing any of the heavy lifting. Of course not. I mean, I, I, and I don't mean that in that way. Like yeah. everybody, everybody, does, everybody does what they can. Right. You know, right. we we're of the same mind. Um, yeah. I know we, you and I talked when you were going to a protest earlier and I, I told you at that point, I'm like, I would have, I would have been there. I would have been out going to some protests, but you know, Right. I had my wife was about to have surgery, and you know, in this time, any yeah. uh, you know, you, you don't want to take any chances. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that's that is some fantastic stuff, and yeah. So that comes out. Is that come out in September, or does it come out sooner than? Do you know? I'm pretty sure September fourth is the date oh, awesome. that, that Sean mentioned to me. 
Yeah, we did two two illustrations. I you know I colored them. Sean seemed very happy. He said it was a different take than he would have thought of, um, which is nice to hear. Sure. Especially, I mean, and not just because I'm I'm friends with Sean, but I really respect him as a talent. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, he's 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 phenomenal. So. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We kind of have brought up the pandemic and <clears throat> and things being different. So. How how has the pandemic affected your work? I mean, besides the fact that there was, you know, a pencils down moment, is it better now? Like, so now we're, we're recording this, you know, the first week in August of 2020. Right. What's happened between like March 2020 and now in terms of your work as a, as a regular, you know, comic colorist? Right. I, I only got the pencils down for Deadpool. Okay. Which, which was fine. And, uh, you know, I... Listen, I expected it to be worse. I'm glad it wasn't. I'm glad it wasn't Batman Beyond at the same time. I'm glad it wasn't the question at the same time. You know, it was only Deadpool. So I had the question. I had Batman Beyond. I was doing some other stuff here and there at DC, which was cool. That stuff just, it kept me just as busy. I got a couple of other books from a friend of mine, an issue of La Boriqueña, number three. Mm, that's good. Um, the Fenimex book with uh, John Leguizamo, okay. uh, Happy Hill with uh, Joe Mulvey, you know, all that stuff came in at the same time. So getting the pencils down for Deadpool kind of relieved my stress a little bit because then it's not me doing, you know, like six books all at once. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I was able to take a little more time with Batman Beyond. I didn't have to worry about Deadpool and Batman Beyond seemed to be moving at a slower schedule. So I was perfectly happy just, you know, chipping away at it here and there and, uh, and doing the other stuff as it came in. I'm, I'm all caught up with everything. So that's good now that Deadpool's going back up again. It didn't affect me too much. Thank God. It gave me some time to focus on other stuff. I've been doing a little more drawing, uh, which for a colorist, I mean, color, a good colorist should know how to draw. They don't have to draw like Jim Lee or or, or, or uh, Bernie Fuchs, but you should have a, a decent understanding of structure and form sure. and things like that. And, you know, I'm a little rusty. <laughs> I, I do quick con convention sketches when I'm at a show, but it's not like really sketching in a sketchbook. So I bought some sketchbooks and I started doing more drawing for myself. And now I've got a whole sketchbook with just heads in it. And nice. yeah, I'm just going through everything and trying to, to shake off the cobwebs. And, you know, I think I want to start doing a little more illustration work on my own Good. in the next few years. That's um, good. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had more time to do that stuff. You know, drawing was just a couple hours on the weekend because I was still busy with work, you know, thank uh, knock on wood. It's important to take that opportunity and, and, and stretch your legs, you know, in, in things that you, you know, like I'm not an artist. I do not, I'm not good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I just, my hands don't work that way, but there are times when I try and write a different, different way, or I try to start get creative or where I'm not writing something more, you know, prose or, or, you know, just, just being able to move outside of your, the art that you do to make money, to give yourself that, that freedom to be creative without 
without it having to be perfect to get money for it. Right. You know, you know. Right. Yeah. Where you can make mistakes and, you know, try something out and stumble a little bit if you need to. And, right. That's, that's, yeah. It's important. I think it's important for everyone, whether it's art or whatever it is you're doing, whether you're, you know, tinkering or making some, you know, you know, working on something in the house or something like that, you know? Right. Yeah. So earlier in the quarantine, I saw that you were putting up some old color guides for sale. Right. Well, what made you do that? And how, how'd that, how'd that go? What made me do it was my wife has been complaining to me for years that I've never really unpacked certain <laughs> things in my office. And my office for the longest time was just where shit goes to die. Right. So I have, I have this huge pile in front of this cabinet um, and I had a, a massive mess behind my, my I have a couple of tables behind me and, uh, and there was just a, a, a mess back there. And, you know, I got tired of the mess. Okay. So I, I dusted off some old toys. I put them up. I found a bunch of stuff that it, I thought was missing. Uh, I, f I found a bunch of artwork and stuffed in a folder, in a manila folder with some old color guides from back in the day. And I was just going to throw them out. Uh, I had tried to sell them a long time ago, a few years ago. And, you know, they're not the best color guides. I was never the best color guide artist. Um, okay. So I was just going to toss them. But at this point, they're kind of a bit of history because comics are really not done this way anymore. Right. So I, I just threw them out on Twitter and I said, hey, I was going to throw these out, you know, unless there's any interest. And some people were interested. So I, I sold, uh, I don't know, maybe like half of them awesome. or a third of them. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. And I've Everybody, still got plenty here. So. Everybody find something something interesting in this weird, weird world of uh, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just... I'm of the mind where if someone else can appreciate this more than I do, then yeah, then they should have it. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. Can, let's talk, can we talk a little bit about comics experience? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, for those people who don't know, uh, Chris does, you do the, um, the, you know, coloring seminar with comics experience. I think there's two, at least two classes and a couple times a year. Um, right. How do you relate to being looked at as an expert or a teacher in this field? I mean, I talk to people at shows or, or in interviews and, you know, I, you know, you come up occasionally and let them know we talk and there's nothing but praise that comes out of their mouths about you. So how, how does that, oh. how does, yeah, it's like, nobody's like, yeah, Christy's an asshole. No, and I never, never heard, never heard that once. Wow. Okay. Um, but how does that work? Like you, and, and this is something else that, you know, I noticed you, you mentioned on, on social media earlier this year, kind of in the whole reckoning that was occurring. And you're like, how does this, this mentor, what, is mentoring even something that we should be doing in this field? And, right. and a lot of the, a lot of what I saw back to your question was, yeah, you're a mentor. How does that, how does that work for you? How did, how did, that, how did that strike you? And what is it about teaching common experience that keeps you coming back to it? All right. First off, I don't know who you've been talking to, <laughs> but Liar. listen, I'm surprised when anyone even knows who I am. Uh, that's, that's also not true. I, I, you are. Listen, I pride myself on being a private person. Um, I, I try not to make a big fuss about anything. Uh, you can talk to all of my editors, any editor I've ever worked with. 
Um, I keep my nose down. I do my work. Right. Uh, this is how I, I hit every deadline. Just I do the work. Um, I only take as much time away from work as I, I know I can afford, but the rest of the time goes to the work. Now, as far as being an expert, again, I'm not an expert. I just, I think I just know a little bit more than some folks who are trying to break in. And I know when I was trying to break in, all the information in the class is what I would have really appreciated knowing when I was breaking in. Okay. Right. This is the class I wish existed when I was breaking in. I'm glad it exists today. You know, I mean, there are, there are people who've come out of it who've gone on to, you know, become professional colorists from there. Right. Yeah. Um, definitely. I mean, that's a fact. I can't, I can't dispute that. Yeah. Some people do come out actually coloring professionally. And I'm very proud of them. They all do really good work. And, you know, just in the class, I can pretty much tell who's going to, to be the ones to, to make an impact sure. and, uh, and get their work out there. As far as mentoring is concerned, I do enjoy doing it. I guess some people see me as a mentor that I was unaware of in some instances. I know that there are, there are some people who I actively look at their work and give them feedback and explain things to them. And, you know, they'll ask me, well, how do you do this? Or how do you get your work out there? Or what's a good way to, to be seen or whatever. And yeah, I'll, I'll give them some, I'll give them my take on it. Right. I think mentorship is a great thing. I came out of that. Sure. I think I benefited from it immensely. It was a lot easier on me understanding some of the nuances in the business uh, because of it. And I think I try, I think I, I, I convey that also to anyone I'm talking to as far as a mentorship is concerned. I think it's, a, it's just a thing that has been, I guess sterilized is a bad word, but there's such a, a, a distance from it because it's not it's not like a one-on-one -on -one personal thing everything's done online and that's fine uh it works it gets the job done but there's a there's a, a personal connection that you miss uh when when i was benefiting from that experience it was me being in someone's studio all right. day for like a week um and it was practically a job uh and and then i i went to work after it <laughs> right in the studio well, or you know yeah and it, and yeah things have changed but like so people who who didn't grow up or or haven't been in this industry when it was different you know um when it when it since it evolved <clears throat> into more of a uh, remote you know type of work there is this difficulty in understanding how how one goes about it, you know, and I think that I think that one of the things that we've learned you know, with this reckoning, for lack of a better word, is that God, I hope people who are trying to get into this industry can we can find a better way for people to get in without having to rely on old white men letting them in the door. Right. I agree. Listen, you know, all this. All the stuff that happened with, you know, certain professionals taking advantage of their positions of power, 
I mean, it, number one, it's disappointing. Uh, number two, it's, I don't know any of these people and I've never really spoken to these people. So like, I don't, I don't have to take like the Silkwood shower, I guess. Right. Okay. <laughs> you <Sure>. know, <laughs> but it, it never occurred to me to, to date in comics, right? Like, to date inside of comics. It's always been to me, well, this is a fun thing and this is where I work. And you know, that's awesome. I never, it never occurred to me that there could be romance in there. Maybe I'm just, it was just too tunnel vision for me. Sure. Also, I've, I think I've been married for the whole, no, no I haven't been married for the whole time I've been in mainstream comics. That, see, but, that doesn't, see, the, the problem that you're pointing out is that that is an obstacle to you. Apparently to these, to other people, it's not an obstacle. Right, right. I guess, I guess that's the thing. Yeah, I would never... My wife and I, we've been together for, like, we just had our 22nd wedding anniversary. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, at the end of last month, a few days, on Thursday. Yeah, ours is uh, on Wednesday. Right. And, uh, oh, what the hell? So we've been together maybe 20, maybe 25 years. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, since I've broken into comics, I've been with my wife, either married or just dating. Um, so yeah, I never sought any kind of romantic connection, and for some reason, it never occurred to me that others would. So this is all like new to me, and I'm an idiot for not thinking that or just naive. But for me, it's work, so I I would never date anyone I work with. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, these other things they do suffer because of this, and it's a shame because you have. I'm sure there are people out there who don't have these uh, these nefarious plans and, and, you know, these ways of taking advantage of people in their head and their opportunities being missed because of, because of those few people, you know, sure. sustaining that practice, that mentoring practice. Yeah, that's, that's not cool. All right. All right. So the last, last question that I really had, um, and I want to take this, we'll kind of end up with this is that, and this is my end of the end of the interview, silly geeky question. So when you were growing up, what was the cartoon that you didn't want to miss when you got home from school? Battle of the planets. Excellent. Yeah. I just love that show. I used to race home. I, 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 I would try to walk as quickly as I could. And I say walk, Right. I'm in the Bronx. I'm supposed to be taking the bus, the city bus to school and from school. What I was doing was I was saving the bus money so I could buy comics, mm-hmm. which was at the store right at the bus stop. Oh, excellent. So I'd buy comics and I'd get on the bus or I'd buy comics and I'd walk alongside the bus or behind the bus or whatever. But I would always make sure that I was right in line with the bus so I could get home in time uh, so I could call my mom and let her know that I was home when I was supposed to be home. This is me in elementary school. Sure. Absolutely. Right? I have no business walking the streets of the Bronx, past the mental institution, you know, Bronx State, and, and, and walking down under the L, under the six train, uh, to get home. But I did it because I wanted to buy comics, and I hurried up to get home because I wanted to make sure I got to watch Battle of the Planets. And did you get upset when they cut the, the intro? Yes. I hated when they cut the intro. Yes, because then I I missed a little bit of it in the beginning. Yes. 
Well, yeah, because oh, I didn't even think of that because you because you because of timing. But like yeah. that, that I did a thing last year where so many days in a row where I just kept posting '80s cartoon intros, and the two intros that are the ones that just get me the most is Battle of Planets and Star Blazers, season one Star Blazers. Yeah. The season one Star Blazers has got to be like one of the greatest intros ever. Yes, I agree. Because it tells you the entire season in the little, in that first. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. You get excited about it. Yeah. We're, there, are no, there are no good intro cartoons anymore or TV no. shows anymore. No, I don't think so. No, Battle yeah. of the Planets was the best. Who was your favorite? Was it Mark or Jason? Oh, man. I really like Jason. I like Jason, too. Yeah. But how many times, you know, you're playing and you grab your, ar- grab your arm and put it in front of your face? all the time all the time right all the time you just wanted that thing to change color right yes yes i made that stupid watch out of cardboard that's awesome that's that's is why we do the silly geeky question at the end yes yeah all right this was awesome chris thanks for thanks for doing this thank you for having me it was awesome can i plug my my class because it's oh yes uh i think it's it starts in september i want to say the 7th yeah, the 7th. So I've got my intro to coloring class starting on September 7th. Right. Uh, starts at night. And it's comicsexperience.com. Comicsexperience.com. You can check for the tab for the, under the courses tab. It'll be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a class built from the ground up. Like I said before, it's the class that I wish existed when I was breaking in um, because we cover everything. And it's an art class. It's not a computer class. Right. And um, absolutely. I, um, my wife took your class for, yes. for those who, who don't, who don't know and are listening. Um, and from w- me watching on the outside, I mean, it, you, it, you learn everything you need to get started coloring. Um, yes. You know, the piece of the things that, that from what I saw, it, you'll learn is, you know, how there's basic, basic like how to's, but the the theory that's, that's taught and, how to tell a story with art, with color is is really important and and well done and anybody who takes it has to come out of there you know knowing a lot more than they walked into even and I, and I've seen I've also seen you know professionals who've taken your class and yes. and learned from it yes yeah we had uh, Jamal Igel Dave Finch uh, Peter Kraus right. Peter um, was in Cherry's class yeah uh, Rochelle Rosenberg um jason lewis uh mike garland yeah we've had a lot of of you know pencilers and colorists and letterers take the class joe sabino clayton klaus yeah a a lot of them have taken the class and they've they they all seem to love it and they all come out with a nice new skill set that uh they feel confident in using so that's great yeah um definitely we will we'll put links in the in the post and and you should probably find links in the in the info section to to this podcast and um well thanks and that was great like i said thanks thanks chris and hopefully talk soon thanks bob i would love that i like i said i love talking to you okay great wow that was a lot of fun check out comicexperience.com for more about chris's upcoming class it's not too late to join i want to remind you to be sure to like follow us on our social media platforms. It's the best way to keep up to date on all of our columns, reviews, and articles. We are Pop Culture Squad, one word, at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to this podcast 
on your favorite podcast delivery platform so that you can hear all of our interviews as they are published. As always, the intro and lead-out music are Pray for Rain by Space and Time Band. See you later. Mm-hmm.